so welcome um welcome everyone we are actually now at a unique time of year we are coming up to rosh hashanah in a matter of a couple of weeks um this being said it's time we have to start preparing ourselves both in addition to spiritually we also have to understand the halachos that apply to this time period both leading up to rosh hashanah and then rosh hashanah yom kippur and so on and so forth throughout the very busy month of Tishrei, when we have many Yom Tov and many such days that have many halachos connected with it. Um, unlike the usual, where I base everything strictly out of Shulchan Aruch, I am also working this time with another Sefer, Nite Gavriel, um, to help us under, better understand the halachos that apply to this time period. So during the, so now that we're in the month of Elul, we're in a very special month. It seems almost paradoxical that on the one hand, it's such a holy month that it says that it's a time that the 13 attributes of, mer- of God's mercy, the Yud Gimel Midas Harachmim, are more re- open and revealed n- during this month than usual. However, it's also regular weekdays and not that of Yom Tif, Shabbos or Yom Tif. So the so the Alter Rebbe, the Baltanim Vashachonarach, writes in Lukuti Torah that the, that the, he gives the example of the of the king being in the field. What this means to explain this a little more that before people, before, normally the king is is in the palace. Not everyone is able to gain access. However, during the month of Elul, it's a time where the where the king is now out in the field where the average person is the the people working in the field, the farmers are able to greet the king and the king greets them with a saber panamyafos with a smile. And they all follow the king then to the city. And this explains the different time periods, the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days, Yom Kippur, and so on and so forth as we work through the month. So it's a month where we have a special closeness to the king. So if that's the case, it's that much more so that we want to try to focus on doing the... on doing the right thing, on trying to improve ourselves. This being said, I want to go into the, to some of the halachos that apply to this month of Elul. So there are some things that are halachos, and there are some things that are a minhag that the, that the general that the general Orthodox world, the, the Torah true Yiddishkeit follows. Amongst this is that from... Now Ashkenazim and Sephardim do things a little different and I'm going to try to incorporate both into tonight's class. And I bring that up now because from, from the beginning we're already going to discuss that. So Sephardim started Slichos already back on Rish Chodesh. Whereas Ashkenazim wait till the Matsoi Shabbos prior to Rosh Hashanah, as long as there are four days. It's Slichos by Ashkenazim always starts on Matsoi Shabbos, 
and has to consist of minimum of four days. So the Shulchan Aruch, the Mechaber, the Beis Yosef writes in Shulchan Aruch that, a per, that about the, the minog that is followed by Svaidin to this day, and the whereas the uh, Rimal actually brings down the way Ashkenazim do it, that instead we blow shofar throughout the month. There are a couple of reasons brought down for why we do not start Ashkenazim do not start slichos already from the beginning of the month. Amongst them are the fact that we don't want to be too tired that we're just saying words without paying attention to what we're saying. We want to make sure that we're able to really dive in properly. So if that's the case, coming up to the month of Elul, uh, to the month of Tisha and Rashana, with the special davening that we have leading up to that month, that much more so throughout the year when we're davening, that we're supposed to, that we're supposed to make sure that we are paying attention to that which we say. In addition to Slichos or Shoifar, or by some Sfardim, they actually will do both um, because of other reasons brought down. But in addition to that, every day by davening, by Shachris, uh, in the morning and the evening, we say L'dovid Hashem Ari. It's, a, it's from, I believe, chapter 27 of Tehillim. And we say it twice a day. In the morning and the evening. And then you have various customs in the evening, whether it's supposed to be by Mincha or, or by Mariv time. However, if somebody usually has a custom of saying it by Mincha and forgot by Mincha for whatever reason, so they still are supposed to say it twice. So therefore... They, they would say it after Mariv. Um, so there are those that have the custom not to say it at all. However, the, major, the majority of the from world says says the Dov Dashem Uri every day and not just once but twice a day. Um, and that went back once again to Minch, to Rish Chodesh. Um, and however, if it's a day with Musaf, Shabbos is a perfect example, or what, we'll come to it on Yom Tif, that what we do is that we, what, is that we say it after Musaf as opposed to Shachris. I know it seems like it's one long davening, Shachris and Musaf, but it's actually two different um, it's actually two different feel davenings altogether all that ju- that are put next to each other. Um, the those that have the custom to not to start slichos from mishchadesh should still get up or, a little earlier and learn um, and learn Torah or at, say Tehillim prior to their davening. Prior to davening.
Um, the average custom when it comes to blowing shofar is that it's done after shachris or at home if they're not in shul or the like. Um, there are different customs as to what sound should be blown. Some blow a straight tekiah, shivarim terot tekiah, one of each sound. And some do one of each set as is blown on Rosh Hashanah. Um, the custom is to stand during shofar and to contemplate tshuva, which unlike what people automatically assume that it means repentance, Tshuva is more than that. Tshuva is a returning and a coming closer to Hashem. The if some if somebody forgot to blow shofar in the morning, they should blow it later in the day. Um, as long, they should be careful to still blow shofar or hear shofar throughout the day. Um, there, the custom is that we add in our recitation of Tehillim throughout the month of Elul. Um, many people have the custom of adding three chapters a day, and then that works up until we get to Yom Kippur when you finish off with nine chapters at various points on Yom Kippur which will be discussed more when we get to that point. Um, it's if possible to say with him, to say to heal him with a minion, but at least, at least say to heal him on your, on our own at, throughout the day. Um, the famous Pinchas from Karitz, writes that even though normally Api Kabbalah, one sh- should not say Tehillim at night, however, that the exception to that is during the month of Elo, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. Um, therefore, therefore, we go ahead and we, even even at night, one can say Tehillim during this month. Um... The so I'm going to discuss for a moment Chai Elul, the 18th day of Elul. The 18th day of Elul, people look at it as a Hasidic day. Um, it's more than just a regular Hasidic day. It's actually a day that affects the whole world. The 18th day of Elul is actually a double birthday. The Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe, the Baal Tan the first Rebbe of Chabad. Um, and it's a day that the Baal Shem Tov, when the Alter Rebbe was born, Baal Shem Tov said that, to, that he, um, the, Al-Tareb, the Baal Shem Tov explained that a new Nishama came into the world. We know that the average Nishama that comes into the world is a neshama that's already been in the world and is now coming back. So it's very special and unique when we when we hit a point where it is no longer where oh, when a neshama comes into the world that is a new neshama. And the Bashem Tov also said at that point that the that the 
that he was going to reveal two lights, Shnei Ur, which is actually what ended up, which is what the, the name was, Shnei Ur Zalman. So Shnei Ur, that the two lights, both of Hasidus and of Halacha. So now back to the customs of the month of Elul. So already from Tuba'av, but especially during this month, that we should, that when we write a letter to somebody or we talk to somebody or the like, this includes email or phone conversation, that one should should wish the other person already from now. That um, And it's taught that the and it's taught that the that every time you give the bracha, this bracha to somebody else of to be written and and sealed for for good, that actually the more a person receives this bracha, it the more of a positive impact it has to um, to say this in short. Um, the question that people have asked me is, but, yeah, but I'm just a regular person. So I'll tell you from the Gemara, in Gemara Brachas, it tells us that the, the Holy Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha went in, was the Kayan Gadol. He went into the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodashim, and he had a and he had a conversation with Hashem. And Hashem said, B'ni, my son, Barcheni, give me a bracha, bless me. And he gave a bracha to, a bracha to the Shekhinah. And we, the Gemara says that we learn from here that even the bracha of an average person is important and carries weight. Another custom that many people have that has a strong... that has a strong connection to doing mitzvahs properly... Is and it's even brought down in Kitzur Shochanaruch amongst many other place sources. Um, if somebody wants to find it easy, that it's a that to have your tefillin and mezuzahs checked during this month. Um, and before anybody says no, it's not a sales, but it's not a sales pitch. <laughs> um, um, no, but there, it's a strong custom, and it's a, and it's not just the idea of checking tefillin and mezuzahs, which I can give you many many stories of how of the tefillin and mezuzahs being checked and finding all sorts of things that were not there, not just a year ago, but even six months prior, um, and how and stories of how it can directly connect to what is going on in a person's life at the time, and I'm not going to get into many stories, but one, qu- but very quickly, that I personally was in a severe car accident um, quite a few years back. By some miracle, I walked, I walked away, and I had my tefillin checked. When they opened up my tefillin, they found there was an issue with the words, when you travel on the way. Now keep in mind that I was traveling from New Jersey back up to, New- to Crown Heights, Brooklyn at the time. Um, there was, And I ended up replacing, excuse me, replacing my tefillin and, th- and things changed drastically at that time. And it's not just tefillin and mezuzahs that one should check, but one should check into everything that they, every mitzvah that they do. They should try to do their best to 
they should try to do their best to to inspect the way they do mitzvahs and to try to grow in their mitzvah observance. So there are so there are people that have the custom to have, to not talk anything besides Torah or davening during the month of Elul until after Yom Kippur. While that's not doable for the average person, one thing that is strongly encouraged is to try to cut back on the amount of regular talk that a person speaks. It's a way of, it's not, but it's more than just the physical aspect. It's supposed to be a reminder that we're supposed to focus ourselves on Torah, on mitzvot during this time. Um, So... The there are many customs as to what one may or may not eat or during the times of Rosh from Roshana onwards. So um, it's brought down that not one already from the days when a person starts stichos, regardless of what that may be, from Rishchadish Elul or already from or later on from before Roshana, that the custom is not to eat. Um, walnuts, and because the Hebrew word for walnuts, egoizim, has the same numerical value as the word chet, sin. So therefore a person should, amongst many other, um, amongst many other reasons, but that's a very simple reason. The exception to this, and that goes from the time of Slichos until after until after Shana Rabbah, which is really the culmination to in a certain to a certain extent of the what's known as the high holidays, Rosh Hashanim, Kippur, and so on. Although there is a certain aspect that continues till after Simchas Torah. The exception to this is if it's in a dish where it's not recognizable, either in visually or in taste. Um, so uh, the custom is that a person should learn various svarim and various things that um, that encourage and inspire a person to tshuva. That can be Tomer um, Dvorah, the palm tree of Dvorah from the Ramak. It could be Shari Tshuva or, or many other Or many other um, such works. So this week we have what's called the Toichacha in the parsha. It's called the. It's not. We're now in parshas Kisavoy, and it, we have the rebuke or the, for lack of better terminology, if somebody has a better, more pot. A better terminology, please correct me. The curses for um, that are written in the Torah. So one of the reasons that it, we read it now is because we we want to read it before Rosh Hashanah because we want 
by reading it before Rosh Hashanah, we can end the year off with whatever negativity is left in this year so we can start out fresh with the new year. Um, so there are many different customs about reading it, but everybody should go follow by what their shul, what their shul's custom is, regardless, and not make start an argument over it. Of course. Um, so now we come up to the time of slichos. It has to be a minimum of four days prior. To Rosh Hashanah, however, it also always starts on Motzei Shabbos after Shabbos. So the first day we 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 read Slichos already by night and preferably to by Chatzos. Um, if not, it can be later and early morning while it's still nighttime. Um, but it should preferably be by Chatzos. It most definitely is can be problematic to read it prior to say slichos prior to chatzos by night. And, however, with all the busyness and people wanting to rest and all that, before a person has to be careful not to skip the meal of Mlava Malka on Mitzvah Shabbos. Um, the Balshemtiv, amongst many others, speaks very, very highly and very strongly about. About about um, about Mlava Malka and that much and it's we stress it again now because of how easy it is to forget. When a person is saying Slichos Matzoy Shabbos, they have to remember that they still need to wear their Shabbos garment clothing and they should not change till after. Um, there are a couple of specific groups that have a custom otherwise, but unless there's a source and a custom specific, one is supposed to go ahead and wear their Shabbos clothes till after Slichos. Um, even if a person is going to be saying Slichos later in the night, they still need, are supposed to make sure to say it before daybreak. Um, and if somehow somebody missed, they do not skip slichos, they still are supposed to say it. Um, the rest of the the rest of the time of slichos, of the week or the days of slichos, one should still make it a point to very to get up early and say slichos early. Um, a person though needs to be careful with children that it's more important that children go to bed at the regular time so that they're able to be up to learn and go to school the next day um Once the time for slichos arrives, a person should be careful not to eat before saying slichos. However, drinking a coffee or tea, however, is the exception. 
water, something like that, to keep them going so they can be alert for slichos is absolutely permissible. Um, now, if somebody went to bed and got up early, and now the question comes up, what do you do when it becomes halachic daybreak? By Alas HaShachar, by dawn. So the a person needs to still wash their hands a second time, even though they wash their hands earlier. However, if they are in the middle of slichos, they do not stop slichos. Rather, they wait to wash their hands after slichos. Now, if a person went to sleep and then wakes up after chatzois, and it, but it's early and is getting up early for slichos, any of the days of slichos, so they have to be careful to say um, the brach of um, wash their hands, say the brach of um, and the birchas ha prior to slichos, even if it's not yet daybreak. Um, when saying slichos, a person should pay attention to what they're saying, and therefore, and it's really a good idea to have an idea what you're saying before you start slichos, so you could focus on what you're saying better. Um, if you go to show for slichos, you'll find that even in the middle of the night that the chazin is wearing a talis. Um, however, he's wearing the chazin, and in most communities, it's only the chazin wearing a talis. I'm at that point, and he, but however, it's borrowed so that he does not have an issue of having to say a bracha on the talis. And it should not be that of the congregation. Rather, borrowed from a private person. A lot of the time, the, cha, the chazan will borrow from the rabbi, or if it's the rabbi, he'll borrow from the gabbai or something like that. Now, what happens if it's the morning and it's late enough to put on a talis with a bracha? What's one supposed to do? So, if, I'm saying, what should the chazin do? So, the chazin, at that point, is allowed to put wear his own talis. Um, but that's only, but that's specifically at that point, if it's already late enough to make a bracha on his own. Um, there are parts in Slichos that we only say with a minion. For example, the Yud Gimomidoy in the 13 Attributes of Mercy, we only say with a minion. Um, ask the paragraphs that have that are in Aramaic primarily are for the most part are said with a minion specifically <gasps> excuse me um during slichos a person should do everything possible to stand however if it's too difficult they can't sit however when they say kemalach yoshev and yud gimomin or the vidoy they should go ahead and and stand. And if it's difficult, they should do their best, if possible, to stand when the Aron Kodesh is open um, by Shema Kodeshinu, but that, once again, depends on if it, how difficult it is for them. 
for that's something that once again, as I always say, we're not poskening, so it has to be on a case by case basis. Um, the there are those, however, that do have the ah. So now, what happens if somebody comes late to show? And the minion is already in the middle of slichos. So for those that would normally may be careful about where they where they um, to dive in certain parts, when Asrayan like with the minion, then they should, according to the stipler going paskins in Kilas Yaakov, that. He that he learned from his rebbe that you should pick up at that point with the tzibur, and then afterwards make up what you didn't say yet. Um, and those that do not skip still have to keep in mind that the yud gimel midas are supposed to be said when the minion is saying it. The so for the most part, women do not get up early for slichos. Um, it's not so clear as to why. Um, however, the however they generally do not get up for slichos. With a, the one exception is the first day of slichos and some cases erev Rosh Hashanah. Erev Rosh Hashanah. Now, what if Chas Hashanah somebody is now in a shiva house? Do they say slichos? So, the Primagodim writes that a person should say slichos even in a shiva house. However, they do not say the vidoy part uh, or tachnon that is writ- written in slichos. Somebody who is in the year of mourning, in the year of mourning, is for a parent or during shloish the thirty days shloishim for other relatives is able to be the chazan for. Slichos before Rosh Hashanah, even on Erev Rosh Hashanah, which has a certain level of a yomtiv that we do not, that we do not, um, that we do not have tachnun. There are those, however, however, who do have the custom. Otherwise, so therefore, follow the rav of the shul or the minion. Um, slichos, there are different customs regarding, there are different customs regarding when, um, regarding when slichos and some people and slichos by Rosh Hashanah, of course they say on the fast of Gedalia because that's a fast day, however many also have the custom of saying slichos throughout the 10 days. The once again, as we said before, that if you're not having with a minion, you do not say the 13 attributes of mercy, the Yud Gimomidus Harachamim. Now, when a person gets up for Slichos during whatever period they have the custom to say Slichos, 
then they should make sure that they get up early enough to say slichos where they will have plenty of time to still daven um, to, to daven after and say slichos properly prior as well. Um, where, however, one has to keep in mind that if something comes up, they oversleep with the like that at the end of the day, davening the regular tefillah is the has, does take priority according to all the opinions I have seen. However, one should be careful not to oversleep. Um, a person also has to remember that they have to be careful not to um, not to daven too late regardless. So now we come up to the... So, if somebody is going to blow Shifer during on Roshana, they should take this month especially to practice and make sure that they really know how to blow Shifer properly. And Erev Rosh Hashanah, one does not blow Shifer though. So now we come up to Chafhei Elul, the 25th day of Elul, which it, and which in a lot of cases can also be Shabbos or Matzai Shabbos before Hashana. So there are a lot of people have the custom to study the um, the first day of creation in the, in Parshas Bereshis on the 25th day of Elul, and the reason for this is because that is the day the world started to be created. That is. A, if you take from the 25th of Elul and Tarashan, you have seven days. Um, and then the second day, they ha- the custom is to learn the, sec- the second day of creation and so on and so forth on Tarashana. Um, the, on sh- normally before Ishkadesh, we, 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 we give a bracha to the month. However, However, before Rosh Hashanah, we do not, and the reason for this is because the month of Rosh Hashanah, of Tishrei, Hashem is is blessing Himself, and that gives the and that gives the that gives the power to us to be able to bless the rest of the months of the year. Um. There are different customs regarding saying of harachamim before on the Shabbos. Um, and the, however, the people that do, that say, have the custom of saying all of Tehillim on Shabbos Mivarchim do so on this month, by this month as well. And, and that, that, and, Especially, and even those that don't necessarily do it every month, which there it's brought down a lot of great blessings that come about from it. Still, this month, this Shabbos Varchim, a lot of people do say the entire book of Tehillim in the morning. The on Matzoi Shabbos, just like the the three Yom Tov, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Prior to Rosh Hashanah, one does not say Vihinoyim and Ba'at HaKadosh in Mariv. Um, Rabbi Altman, is there anything that I am missing that you can think of off the top of your mind?
I guess I'm going to take that silence as a no. Um, any Before we continue, does anybody have any questions? Um, perfect. So before we continue into the into the halachos of Rosh, of the high holidays in general, um, I want to clarify that, that first of all, we, this year is not giving a strict psak halacha. If you have a specific situation or circumstance, feel free to reach out to a rav of your choice, um, a competent rav of your choice to be able to ask, preferably somebody you have a relationship with already. Um, before we continue, I, we mentioned before the idea of checking tefillin and mezuzahs during the month of Elo. The question people always tend to ask me, um, both in various capacities, including that of being a cipher, that how is it, well, I had my tefillin checked last year. Doesn't Shulchan Aruch say, I don't need to check it every year? So my response to that always is twofold. Number one, I always go ahead and answer with a question. Very Jewish of me. Um, I, I answer, I say, so because you don't have to, does that mean it's not the right thing to do? And then I go on to tell them one of many stories that I've seen connected with tefillin or mezuzahs. Um, somebody I know was ha- brought their their brought their mezuzahs to me, and I was checking the mezuzahs and I couldn't find anything specific that was wrong with it, so I decided I'm going to check again, and I can't. And I realized. I'm saying, I figured, okay, you're supposed to look to find the kosher, and that's great, but I want to, let me double check myself because this person had a feeling something was up based off of various financial issues that have been occurring. I double checked, and guess what? There was an issue with one of the mezuzahs. It was, and, and believe it or not, things turned around after that, after we dealt with that issue and replaced the mezuzah. Um, I sent the individual to somebody else to purchase the mezuzah. Um, So it would keep me more honest as well. Another example. Somebody brought brought mezuzahs to me um, while having a lot of health issues. Keep in mind, about three or four months ago, I already checked these mezuzahs, and everything checked out. I open up the mezuzahs, and the the individual is having cardiac issues. I was checking. I I opened the mezuzahs, and I, and I found on the bedroom door. I believe it was, or it was one of the main door doors to that are used on a regular basis. There was an issue with the word b'chalavavcha, with all your hearts. The somehow the ink popped off the parchment. Although it was no more than it was only a few months prior that I had checked them during Elul. 
that was a very powerful story. Um, if somebody was had one more quick story before we continue. Somebody asked me to check their check mezuzas and told me about the multiple falls and injuries that occurred in the family. Now, I didn't know if it was inside or outside. I, and if outside, front, back, I didn't know. So I opened the mezuzahs and I turned to the, and I turned to the couple and I said, a few mezuzahs sit and I said, the injuries keep, the falls and injuries keep occurring by the front door, correct? And the, they both went white as a sheet. They said, how did you know? I said, very simple. There is an issue on the mezuzah by the front door. And I said, it's not just an, any random issue with the mezuzah. It was with all your soul. And there were injuries and multiple, a whole list of things, including um, an assault being jumped in. The, their son was jumped and assaulted and robbed on the front stoop. Um, and there were a lot of other major health issues going on at the time as well that seemed to f- to be avoided when they would when avoid when not going out of the house or not going into the house. Why am I bringing these stories down? I'm ex- giving over these stories to show to stress the importance of checking tefillin and mezuzahs, even if you just had recently had them checked. And what, if you're gonna, and what better time than in the month of Elul when you're trying to prepare you, to prepare yourself spiritually for the for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Whatever city, state, country you may live in, do me if do me do 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 not just I'm not gonna even say do me a favor, but do yourselves a favor. Find a way to get all your tefillin and mezuzahs checked. It's worth it. So now we are going to go into some of the laws of the high holidays. Um, I'm going to skip right over the qualifications for who can be chazan over the Yom Naran, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur. And the reason for that is because it's not applicable to the average person. And the, av- and the average show takes care of that for us and we're not involved in the process. Um, for the most part, we trust the rabbi or the gabbai or whoever's involved. Um, I will mention a couple of interesting points. Um, that it should not be somebody who is in a feud of any sort with, the, with any of the congregants. And the person should be accepted and signed off on by the congregation as a whole. What usually happens today, what usually happens today is that the, um, that the congregation is appointing the Gabbaim or the board or the, or the rabbi to be their emissary to appoint the Chazan for the high holidays, for the Yom Naraim. Another interesting point is that 
there's, there are those that say, especially in the Hasidic world, that it's preferable to have a shaykhet um, as the chazin. Whereas outside of the Hasidic world, it's generally, they generally say not to. Um, it's a, it's an interesting point, and I bring this out. This the reason I bring this up is to say that there's a lot of things when it comes to the different customs of the high of the Yom Naraim have the have different opinions. So therefore, what you may have learned in one place, one place may very well be a custom that others do not have or have the opposite custom. Um, so now we, and the, now we move on to the night and morning of Erev Rosh Hashanah. So we've discussed in the, in the class, one, either last class or the one before, about the idea of saying Tikkun Chatzois. So those that do not usually say Tikkun Chatzois, um, should, there is should a lot of people will a lot of the time you don't see it as much in America as you do in Israel now, but a lot of the time they they make more of an effort to say Tikkun Chatzois on the night of Erev Rosh Hashanah. Um, the custom is more widespread on the night of Erev Rosh Hashanah than the rest of the year to follow the. Minhag of the Arizal and say Tachnun and Vidoy, um, or to say Vidoy in already from then in Kriyashma at night. So, not many people in the Hasidic world do this anymore, but in some communities they have the custom of fasting every Rosh Hashanah. But that's not as applicable to the average person either. Um, we do have a longer slichos though. So if you or your husbands are, or sons are going to shul, keep in mind they'll, it'll take longer. Um, we also, after da- so after davening, we say ataras nedarim. The men say ataras nedarim, which is basically a no- annulling the, our vows. We say minimum in front of three men over bar mitzvah not related to them, to each other or to the per individual. It, however, preferably if possible, a lot of people have a custom of using a full minion of 10 people plus the individual. Um... While there is no Tachnun in Shachris, Erev Rosh Hashanah, the Mincha prior, we do say Tachnun. And it starts in the morning that by al that we skip Tachnun. Um, we do not blow the Shoifar in Shul or in our houses, including the night of Erev Rosh Hashanah, we try to avoid it at all costs. The reason for this is 
Um, the reason for this is that we, on my end, the video froze, so I hope it didn't buy anybody else, uh, or at least the sound is good. Um, the, the reason for this is that, amongst other things, that we want to confuse the satan. We want the, by not, by taking that break from blowing, it confused the satan what day it is. I always ask the question, if we do it year after year after year, how's it going to keep confusing the satan? <laughs> um, I'm, it's, but it, it's the way it works. Um, so the question is more humorous than anything else, but it works that way. Um, that the custom is that we try to give extra tzedakah in the morning of Erev especially to be distributed in the morning so that th those that need have a means to be able to purchase that what they need for their Yom Tif meals and for Rosh Hashanah in general. Um... So there are so there are those that have the custom to fast, but once again, not everybody does. So as we said before, we say Ataras Nidarim in the morning, and it's a person has to be careful, not only to use what the wording printed in the Siddur Machzor, because we want to make sure you don't miss any of the any of the necessary statements, but it also has to be in a language that you understand. Because we have to make sure that we include all different types of oaths or promises or the like. And we actually say those that we know about and that which those which we do not know about, interestingly enough. Together with many other interesting points that if we if I I could give multiple long classes just on the wording used there, but that's for another time. Um, if a person does remember something clearly that they made a promise and could not or did not fulfill yet then they should go ahead and specify it clearly as well. While yes, you can do Hattaras Dharam all day and theoretically even up until Yom Kippur, but it should be done Erev Rosh Hashanah and preferably in the morning before Chatzais. If somebody's not going to be able to, they can do it the night before. That's in, once again, a case-by-case -case basis as to for that as well. The one saying Hattaras Nadarim stands where, while the based in the three other individuals sit. Um, interestingly enough, while a lot of while I've always learned that one does that you do not use relatives, um, I'm, there are the, a lot of people that have the custom that we can use relatives without a problem. Um, and this based on Shalas Tshuva Sir Bekiva Eger, together with Shalas Tshuva Subachat Bachaim, and many others. If somebody really wants the sources to, tr to understand it, I can, I'll be more than happy to give it to you after. Um, it's 
it needs to be somebody who fits all the halachic categories for a gadol, for an adult. I mean, and there, it's preferable that the person should be at least 18 years old to guarantee that they do that they do fit that criteria, and preferably somebody who already is growing a beard. Um, now, the reason that we said before that a person needs to that a person needs to say to learn a language they understand is because if they do not, it does not count. A person has to know what they are trying to nullify and what they're saying. Technically speaking, women also need to. However, what generally happens is that the husband is would go ahead and be matter for his wife. Um, after, but she has to appoint him as a shliach for it as well. Um. And in which case that a person should say that it's that what I said is for myself and also it should be for my wife. Um, and in which case point they the based in the three individuals will say that it, that it's things are permitted for both you and your wife. Technically speaking, however, most people do not actually have this custom anymore to do it this way. How, but there are those that do so. If you do happen to still have that custom for whatever reason, continue with it. Um, well, so yeah, so now we get into other customs of Arab Rosh Hashanah. For example, the, there's a custom that we'll discuss of going to the cemetery on Erev Rosh Hashanah, specifically to the graveside of Tzaddikim. Um, if somebody is living in whatever locale and they're wondering how to pull that off, let me know and I can try to research what's around your area. Um, but if one cannot go there to the graveside of Tzaddikim, they should at least go to the to Jewish cemetery in general. And they should dive in there um, for Hashanah Toivah and Masoka and for a good and a healthy year. Um, a person should be careful though not to dive in to the deceased, rather to dive in to Hashem to have mercy on them in the merit of the Tzaddikim or those that are there. Um, and while there, one should also give tzedakah. Um, there are those that have the custom also, and it's very widespread, especially in the Hasidic world, to go on the first day of Slichos. And some, and in the Hasidic world, and also it's very common in the, in the, um, in the, in the, Yerushalmi world in the world of the old Jerusalem families that was always the custom um, before going to the cemetery one should not eat however one should specifically it, that's obviously medical situations are different however one should specifically drink before going to the cemetery 
Um, and one should absolutely, a male, a man should absolutely go to the mikvah prior to going to the cemetery, if at all possible. Um, a man has to be careful that their tzitzis are covered, the strings are covered when they go into the cemetery. So a jacket can work, and a pocket can work, and so on and so forth. Um, even if one can see the Jewish graveside from their window, they should not. So they should not say the. Um, they should not rely on that. They should actually go on their own. Um, and from there, we will continue next week with more customs of Erev Rosh Hashanah at the same time, same place.